0: Hello and welcome back to the European show, this is episode 3 and we're here gonna look back at this past weekend's football, talk about the football we actually saw and whatever else and to join me doing so is Nick.
1: Thank you very much Jack, how are you?
0: I'm, I'm doing well, so firstly we'll look at La Liga where Barcelona had a bit of a challenge normally against Real Sociedad, but they seemingly overcame it with Robert Lewandowski scoring twice.
1: Yep, indeed, they they faced a team which is which is in very good form and, and has been playing well of late. Um, so it was expected they would face some trouble, and indeed, in, in which for the first half, the in which almost the entirety of the first half was one one after an extremely fast Lewandowski goal in the first minute. Uh, which was assisted by new face in by a new face in the in the lineup, which is Alex Balde, um, which is a, an ambitious bet from uh, from Xavi, starting an academy player over uh, Jordi Alba, who in fairness hasn't been that good of late. Um, so yeah, he he had a pretty good game honestly um, in in that left wing back position. I, I had a pretty good game actually in that left wing back position. However, Re Sociedad responded quite quickly with a goal from Alexander Isaac five minutes later. We hope he has a breakout season uh, this year because he's really a promising, promising player. But yeah, for the rest of the first half, things were quite even. Coming into the second half, um, Xavi decided to switch the team up and made two extremely important changes. He brings on Rafinha uh, to play in left wing back instead of Balde and Ansu Fati for Ferran Torres and the team completely changed um, Ansu Fati had an incredible game having yeah. re- returning after a season of injury basically uh, last season and he, he immediately begins uh, assisting two goals right off the bat one for Dembele and then another for Lewandowski and with that uh, Sociedad were just down and out they just couldn't really get their foot back in the game they they did uh, attempt some attempt some last offensive moves, but they were finally dealt the killing blow by Ansu Fati himself, who scored a nice goal in the 79th minute. It looks like uh if his if his physique and his body respects him Ansu Fati uh could have again another really, really good season being only nineteen years old, um could maybe begin to live up to, to the hype that he began generating um two or three seasons ago. For the rest of the games in Spain, we had um, Real Madrid thrash Celta Vigo. Um, we, we begin with a Karen Benzema penalty putting Real Madrid in the lead in the 14th minute to which Iago Aspas promptly replied also scoring his own penalty uh, less than 10 minutes later. However, uh, Real Madrid decided to turn the heat on before halftime. And Modric scored an beautiful outside of the box goal as he occasionally likes to do to make it 2-1. Another assist by David Alaba. Sorry, well another goal involvement for David Alaba in this case as he gave uh, Modric the assist, um, which is giving off a very interesting season beginning of the season to Alaba with a plenty of plenty of goals and assists uh, in only three real games, which is quite impressive. Um, Then shortly after the beginning of halftime, Modric, fine as ever, playing incredible, gives an assist to to Vinicius Jr. for the 3-1, and then Vinicius himself gives an assist to Fede Valverde for the 4-1 goal to to seal Celta Vigo's defeat. I'm going to give some Valverde prop here. I love him as a player. I think he's incredible. I think it's a shame he's playing for Real Madrid because, obviously, as a a rival of, of Real Madrid... It's unfortunate to see such a good player there but um he's outrageous he can do basically everything he can defend extremely well he's a good short passer good long passer he has good vision he has good reaction times he turns well he has a very 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 powerful shot as he's shown multiple times and i think now that casemiro has gone and it's sh- and it opens up like a massive hole in the squad for him and to chermaine as well i guess but um he's he's really seriously going to begin being discussed as one of the best midfielders in Europe um, in the next few months I'm, I'm certain of it I'm 100% certain of it but yeah um, moving on to more unexpected results we see Villarreal real win 2-0 away uh, against Atletico Madrid. Um, Atleti began the game dominating in possession but um, it, it, it was more of one of those calculated uh, possessions in which it seemed like Emery wanted his team to fall back and just defend uh, and that Leti wasn't able to break down um, Villarreal's, uh, well, defensive block really um, despite, despite Leti playing decently well and, and having control of the game a stupid mistake by new, by new right-back Nahuel Molina um, who cleared the ball into his own box uh, led to the ball falling to at the feet of Jeremy Pino, who easily slotted it away, being completely unmarked. Um, and then the game got quite heated as Aleti got desperate to, to score. Um, the, one and only, the one and only Mateus Cunha got subbed on. He didn't score, but he did play really well. He's got that dog in him, honestly. Um, and then he, he almost scored, hit the crossbar, rebound falls uh, on Carrasco, and then Rulli brings out one of the most spectacular saves we've seen so far. And then Nahuel Molina, already very heated um, and probably feeling pretty shit because of his stupid mistake um, decides to just kick the hell out of um, I believe it was Juan Foyth for no reason. And then he does it again, right after, and gets a straight red card. Completely nonsensical and no real reason for it. But uh, but now didn't have a right back for the next game which is really stupid. In the 97th minute Aleti was just the entire team up the pitch trying to find the equalizer. Uh, so when Alfonso Pedraza gets the ball in the, in the halfway line, he starts a counter-attack with a huge numerical superiority and Gerard Moreno ends up scoring the 2-0. Then Sevilla uh, still are looking for a win in this season after they drew 1-1 against Valladolid. They really can't find the rhythm. They, just, they, they can control the game, but they can't get into uh, the opponent's box comfortably. Um we've seen we've seen Isco try and correct this. We've seen players like uh, LaMela, Oliver Torres and Papu Gomez, these kind of like final third kind of creative players try and fix that, but they don't seem to they don't seem to be able to find their teammates or they don't seem as creative and agile as they usually are. Um teams are really being good at shutting down Sevilla's attack. Having said that, they did score. Um but towards the end of the game, uh w- but uh, no, felt, sorry, uh, by scored for it first, yeah. And because of this, um, by the lead managed to lock them out. They scored uh, the, a 1-0 in the, in the dying minutes, um, in the 80th minute actually. And it seemed like um, by the lead would take all three points, uh, back home. However, Rekik scored a pretty nice goal in the 86th minute to equalize. Then all hell breaks loose, uh, there's a massive fight that just goes crazy and then each team gets a a flurry of of cards and one player on each side gets sent off and well we just see Sevilla keeping on with their struggles meanwhile local rivals Betis beat uh, Mallorca 2-1 with goals from Borja Iglesias from the penalty spot and uh, a last minute goal and then Betis beat uh, Mallorca 2-1 with two goals from Borja Iglesias from the penalty spot and Mallorca's, uh, Mallorca's goal coming from Berdat Muriki with an assist from Kang in Lee, the, the Korean hyped-up uh, superstar from Valencia who hasn't quite uh, broken out yet. But maybe we'll see something this different this year. The interesting thing um, was just the amount of bookings that the ref gave out this game. It was actually insane. Out of Mallorca's 10, 10 starting outfield players, um, seven of them received yellow cards, and Betis had um, five, five yellow cards uh, from their outfield players, and then one for their goalie as well. It was just a, a game in which both teams really went hard at each other, but no one got sent off, which is which is a change compared to the other games uh, in the league on that match day. But yeah, that was it for the Liga. Over to you, Jack.
0: Um, so now we will briefly look at Syria. So. At the top of the table, only after two games is Napoli. After they have lost all of their best players, in Insigne, Mertens, and Koulibaly in the, in the summer, they're seemingly doing all right, um, albeit they they have. They haven't had the toughest opposition, but this past weekend they beat Na- uh, Monza, newly promoted Monza, four um, nil. And then. <coughs> Inter and Roma were the other two big teams to win, with Inter beating Spezia 3-0. Romelu Lukaku did not actually score, but he did get an assist. And Roma beat Newly Promoted, Cremonese 1-0. And then the other two teams, Milan and Juventus, both dropped points as they drew. Milan drew 1-1 with Atalanta. Obviously Atalanta aren't the team that they used to be. Um, but Atalanta actually took the lead. Um, and then Juventus drew 0-0 with Sampdoria. <laughs> so, after a brief period of, of looking promising, he's gone right back to how it was before, with Juventus playing pretty boring football. And
1: um, Vlahovic or no Vlachovic, it doesn't matter if you don't get the ball to your striker.
0: And I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that Juventus will be nowhere near the Champions League um, final. this this year or even contending for the Champions League Uh, that may come back to bite me but I I highly doubt it
1: I I mean unless they they radically change in the last six months I also don't really see them in a competitive spot compared to all of the other big teams in Europe so far like they don't stand a chance against like a Man City or a Bayern or a Real Madrid so far against Liverpool nowadays possibly but uh,
0: (laughs) funny funny enough if 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 Juventus actually kept Maurizio Sarri, I think there would be a lot more. One, they probably could have actually won the league multiple times, and they'd actually be playing some relatively attractive football, especially now that they're not as anchored down by the presence of Ronaldo. Which obviously, during Sarri's time at Juventus, they were. It was always Ronaldo, whereas Ronaldo team. Um, But obviously the Juventus Bordeaux unhappy, made a justice decision, and it's just all backfired. So now we'll have our break and then we'll be back with the Bundesliga. Welcome back from our break. We will now look at the Bundesliga. So, the first game we'll start out is Dortmund versus Werder Bremen. As obviously, if Werder Bremen are newly promoted. Brucey Dortmund are obviously meant to be this new breed of Dortmund. However, it looks to be the exact same as it used to be. So, Dortmund actually took the lead quite comfortably. Actually, they weren't... Qu- Dortmund were quite shit, to be honest. Um, Julian Brandt opened the scoring before Rafael Guerrero then doubled Dortmund's lead in the 77th minute. So it's just kind of been... It kind of looks like Dortmund were going to comfortably win this game. Um, however, the Bremen made some substitutions. Lee Cannon, who last year was playing for Derby scores in the 89th minute to cut Dortmund's lead in half. Then Nicholas Schmidt then equalises in the 93rd minute for Bremen before in the 95th minute, Oliver Burke then scores the winner for Werder Bremen. So in the space of five minutes, Dortmund completely threw the game away in what was a monumental collapse. And yet this is i don't really know what to say because obviously you shouldn't be doing this if you want to win the title especially against a team as good as Bayern you should not be dropping points that easily or you shouldn't be throwing away games that easily because you would think a competent team after going one goal down you would think okay we're going to protect this now we'll just kind of pass it around the back however they didn't and obviously this heavily backfired Um, so it it will leave a lot of questions with Dortmund about how can they improve on such a thing because obviously they there's people in that team who shouldn't be in that team Um, the players that they want to be playing are not fully fit and it's still stuff like this that they're kind of um, struggling with
1: the defense isn't like objectively bad, but the team as a whole just lacks composure. That's that's the reason why they keep letting these games go. Well, obviously this season is not a recurring theme yet. It may end up becoming, but we we saw in the in last season that um it's lapses in concentration of the team as a whole, where you may be playing well or dominating the game, but suddenly you're on the back foot. Um, because you just haven't been paying attention or, or j- even if it's just for one minute, two minutes um, if, if another team has their concentration up the entire game even if they're less good than you they, they can take advantage of these lapses in concentration that you might have and I think that's really Dorman's plague I, I don't really know how someone would correct that that's I guess a manager thing but um, it, it's a manager and a mentality thing like they really have to learn to to really fight for every single one of the ninety minutes, and just, just not let stupid shit happen, because like okay, sure it was the end of the game and players were tired and all that, but same, Werder Bremen's players were also tired, but they still pulled through and scored three goals in like ten minutes, maybe less. So it's it's, it's ridiculous. Like you have to put in a bit more effort and and we just stay turned on the entire time. Also, these embarrassments happen.
0: It's it's also worth noting that Oliver Burke. Before he moved to Werder Bremen, he'd scored one Bundesliga goal, and in the first three games, he scored two, both in the 95th minute um, to help Werder Bremen. So yeah, um, then we'll move on to another team in crisis by Leverkusen. Obviously, me and Nick went to go watch this game, and yeah, by Leverkusen just looked relatively terrible. Mm-hmm.
1: This is this was a this was a game we went to see in the stadium, and it was it was great to watch. Honestly, it was really fun. Um, we there was about fifty Hoffenheim fans that were making more noise than the entirety of Leverkusen's North Curve, which I thought was quite interesting, even though the North Curve was already quite loud as it is. Um, yeah, as Jack said, Leverkusen looked horrendous. They were, I mean, they could pass the ball, but the but the attackers were just not there. They were just not present. Patrick Schick had a few. Uh, good movements and, and touches on the ball in the final 20 minutes but like that's that's just not it you can't win a game like that um, and defensively they were just all over the place Jonathan Tah had a good game I must say and then the other three the other three around him just didn't do anything uh, the first goal wait what's the first goal again oh the first goal came came from well the first goal came from Hoffenheim basically just passing the ball around in in Leverkusen's box and no one really just like stopped them, uh, which was finally finished with an extremely nice back heel flick uh, which Herdecky actually got a hand to um, before it went into the net. but um, then the second goal was really the one where where Leverkusen's defensive issues were were personified you could say. Um, as the ball was cleared, it was immediately recovered by Hoffenheim. Uh, and then they just went up the pitch, crossed it in Herdeki comes out of goal horrendously just no one near the cross and then there's just a man on the back post completely all on his own and just taps it in no problem Hoffenheim actually scored uh, the 3-0 before half time but um, it was ruled out for a foul on the other end of the pitch like a half a minute earlier uh, so they went from celebrating a goal to having to defend a free kick in the space of about 2 minutes while Var checked it Uh, yeah then in the second half more of the same basically hold on I want to check Uh, young Hoffenheim winger Jorginho Rutter, had a great game and he uh, capped his amazing display with an incredible goal uh, in the last few minutes of the game just basically dribbling past the entire right hand side um, of of Leverkusen's defence and then curling it in with a rocket of a left foot and just knocking out uh, what was left of, of Dortmund basically
0: uh, yeah, so Hoffenheim surprisingly looked quite good, um, but then obviously Leverkusen were relatively terrible, and this is obviously quite worrying as they've only made one signing this in this transfer window, which is clearly not enough. Um, they clearly lack they lack someone to replace Florian Wirtz, who's obviously currently out injured. Um, and that's clearly being shown by the fact they've only scored one goal in the in the first three games, and their defense has been shocking. So Leverkusen are in a bit of a crisis, and it's only going to get worse when the Champions League comes around as well, and they're playing more games. Um, so Gerard Sayoni really needs to like somehow fix this team if. If they want to challenge for the Champions League places once again, Bruce mentioned Gladbach won again, beating Hertha Berlin one nil. Um, they it leaves them second in this table in the table behind. Bayern Munich. They scored a penalty from Allison Player. They also missed a penalty um, later on in the game from Jonas Hoffmann, which was saved. And as a whole, just Gladbach look like a completely better team than they did previously, especially last season under Hadi Hütter. They dominate the games and just kind of... They lack uh, a sufficient end product, Um, but to to show that, to to be able to show off the dominance, but they are dominating the games, which is obviously a very good sign. And playing... Bayern Munich next weekend will be a very big test um, for them to see if if Daniel Falk's tactics are actually going to work um, in the long run Union Berlin beat Leipzig 2-1 it's worth noting that Jordan Pifuk and Sherado Becker are both looking as a very promising attacking power and so now Bayern Munich, obviously, they played Bochum and won 7-0. This, once again, kind of sparked debate about the competitiveness of the Bundesliga. And we can also include League 1 in this, because we'll mention that later on. So there are many, many people, really, that that hate on these type of leagues, either because of the quality or whatever. I, I think their first start off, The quality, disregarding Bayern, I think is there. We've seen it. Um, You can say what you want about not defending, but the fact Werder Bremen came from behind to beat Dortmund. um, Union Berlin beat Leipzig. You're having these teams that are meant to be up there with Bayern, losing to the smaller teams, shows that there is competitiveness within the league. And there is competitiveness away from who wins the league as well. Because obviously there's a race for the European places as well as trying to avoid relegation and obviously Bayern Munich are way in front of everyone on the pitch um, but that is mainly due to the fact that they are so far ahead of people off the pitch they're a financial giant compared to even the likes of Dortmund um, which is obviously an issue when you're trying to close this sort of gap Um, And it's also made worse by the fact um, you have a league such as the Premier League with all these teams spending ridiculous amounts of money. So, Bochum, their record transfer is 1.3 million. And that happened in 1997. Whereas Nottingham Forest, who just got promoted, have just spent 44 million pounds. On a single player, on one single player. That's more than they have spent this
1: entire transfer window
0: so there is clearly a massive not just in the bundesliga itself in europe in general there's a massive gap that's happening financially and if nothing is done to close this gap then the gap on the pitch will continue to get bigger and obviously there's many ways that this could be done one of these is the most it's the least popular route in germany is would be removing the 50 plus 1 rule But that would literally just mean all hell breaks loose. Um, you have all this money being pumped into teams that shouldn't be where they should be. They'll suddenly be in the Bundesliga. Bundesliga teams won't be in the Bundesliga. Stuff like that will happen. And no one wants that. Obviously, that's when you end up like the Premier League. And people want to be able to grow naturally. And to keep in line with this 50 plus 1 rule, stuff has to be done and obviously it's the way that teams can try and market themselves better internationally a bit like Bayern who obviously are big in America as well as in Asia Uh, they need to be better at marketing, marketing themselves internationally so they attract more fans which obviously means more members which could mean more money to spend but at the heart of it, it's about the DFL and the TV money. Obviously, it's a fact of the big teams that benefit from the TV money the most. So, obviously Bayern Munich and, and Borussia Dortmund. They're never going to agree to something um, that would allow the TV money to be more evenly separated between the teams, the smaller teams, like in Bochum or in Augsburg and Mainz. Teams like that. They would never allow such a thing. Because obviously it's greed. And obviously all these teams care about. Is making as much money as possible. Um, and they would never allow such a thing. But then. They're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Especially Dortmund as well. Because obviously Dortmund is a team. That are meant to be chasing Bayern. You know, they're meant to be up there with them. And they're obviously the last team to win the Bundesliga. Um but if they don't agree to such a thing where TV money is just spread more evenly they can them and buying can still get slightly more than the rest but it needs to be split more and this can go hand in hand with um, the marketing because if you market better more people will be interested more people are interested is an increase in increasing TV money um and these are the type of things that these teams have to kind of think, you know what, I think a group interest needs to be bigger than our own interests. Because it would get to a point where Bayern a tide of winning the league because it would be guaranteed before balls even kicked, you could say. That's what it's like now. But, and there will be a time that Dortmund are like, OK, there's no, we don't want to be the team anymore that buys all these young players like Haaland, and Bellingham and Dembele in the past and just sell them on. Because that's not sustainable. You, well, it is sustainable, but it gets a bit boring, you know. You don't want to be that team anymore. You want some sort of progression as a team. Obviously, Bayern Munich won the Champions League a couple of years ago. Dortmund haven't won it since the 90s. You know, Dortmund, you could say our, they are a our, our Champions League team and they should be wanting to win the Champions League. But if they could type, have this type of model... Um, that's never going to happen again, and I, I think if if the Bundesliga and Liga in itself as well, but Liga isn't as like fan dominated as we know, um, the gap will continue to widen. Not just between Bayern and Dortmund and the rest. It will be between Bayern are at the level of a top six Premier League team. I think we can both agree on that. Um, the gap between them and the rest will continue to grow, and you will see the teams slowly falling behind in Europe as well. Um, and it be let and Bayern Munich will be the team, and they currently are now, that only have the hope of actually being able to challenge for the Champions League. So stuff needs to be done to fix this, um, but it, it's not just something that can be said. For the bundesliga i think the bundesliga is one it can be the prime example it's the same in spain because obviously you have the three big teams dominate there albeit they challenge in europe themselves in france is obviously psg or well, obviously they've the only reason other teams have won the league in the past is because they've cocked up um, obviously italy now is slightly different but it used to be juventus dominating
1: yeah, and I mean, La Liga is an unfortunate case as well because of the country's habit to go into economic crises every now and then. Um, money is generally already spread thin and I think, like, as we've seen in, in Barca's case, um, the, well, I, it was mismanaged to begin with, but um, Atlético as well um, is tight on money and isn't spending very much. And so you, you just kind of see Valencia a little bit as well that... Um, it, it doesn't it can't really compete with a with with a with a a team like the sorry with a with a league like the premier league in terms of money because there's just not that much to go around the only reason why the league teams uh consistently beat Liga, uh premier league teams in europe uh is because they're just categorically better at football but uh <laughs> the premier league does have better players which is which eventually does mean that, um, that they will begin dominating Europe more and more as the years go by. And we saw a streak of uh, English champions, well, European uh, winners, and um, I think that's going to begin happening more and more often in, in the years to come if, if this gap keeps widening, as Jack said.
0: Uh, this is the thing, and I'm, I'm prepared to die on this hill. I'm, I'm more than certain if the finances were even, players wouldn't choose to go to the Premier League i am i can guarantee that most of them are going for the money they, they couldn't you're seeing players go for an example but you're seeing players joining some leaving some relatively competitive teams in the bundesliga for example and just moving to nottingham forest you know it's Nottingham Forest aren't going to be challenging for anything anytime. They're only really going for the money aspect, you know. Players make up some bullshit, like oh, I dreamed of playing in the Premier League. Or, or, or it's younger. like, wait,
1: what was that player that uh, signed for uh, Everton instead of West Ham?
0: Amadou Onana came from Hamburg oh, to Lille. To Lille. And so he played for he Lille,
1: was... a top team in France. Granted, he got battered by PSG. But then he decided to sign for Everton. A team that has been looking like it's going to get relegated for the past two seasons now. Like, why would you do that? Why would you join Everton of all teams? Obviously, money is, is the answer, but like, it, it, that's just that's just the ridiculous draw of the Premier League of just like because he had the option between two Premier League teams as well. One of which is West Ham, which is actually quite decent, and that that's a sensible move. Leal to West Ham, pretty even in terms of quality. And in terms of like positioning the table, even relatively considering that uh, the Premier League has better teams uh, at the top, but but still, and he chose everything obviously because they just paid him more, but he just basically threw away uh, any chance he has at like a top shot um, in a good team for the next few years until he gets like rescued from the Championship in a few years' time when people realize he's too good for that league.
0: But yeah, ultimately it's a case that the leagues are not able to market themselves well enough, so they're not able to attract people to watch the league. Because, obviously, we can we, we can see that the Premier League is very good at um, promoting itself. And you could argue that La Liga isn't really... The same with the Bundesliga. Serie A used to be able to do it in the 90s. But now they're not. Really, they're still struggling as well. Whereas France as well is is quite far behind. So I think if if these leagues can market themselves better away from the sole big teams, you know, show someone in the depths of show someone in Riyadh. You know why Salto Vigo is a good team to support. You know or why. Um, Schalke have some of the best fans in the league you know, encourage these people to take interest in that instead of watching the same boring crap over and over again I think it's
1: interesting interesting used example of the Schalke fans considering they tried to beat up their own players after they got relegated
0: but obviously as, as you saw some of the German fans are some of the best in the world Like, regardless of the fact that Leverkusen fans went quiet because they were getting battered um, that's understandable, but obviously you saw very little half nine fans make a lot of noise. Um, obviously, people see this stuff about the yellow wall in Dortmund, um, which is one of the main draws to go to Dortmund. Uh, you have other me- big teams that have great fans like Mönchengladbach, um, Stuttgart, Cologne. Stuff like that. That's the type of stuff that should attract people to leagues as well as the football. Although you can make the joke, oh yeah, there's no defending. But that's what makes it fun, you know. And and there's there's stuff like that. I'm not saying you, you use the marketing we don't defend. But there's definitely areas at these leagues. I'm not just talking the Bundesliga. There's areas in these leagues that they can you exploit in a good way to attract people to watch it to show you know what this is better than the Premier League and it will attract people to watch the leagues thus meaning more money thus meaning they can keep the good players in the league as well as start attracting the better players I'm I'm not saying we're going to go through this communist approach everyone has the exact same amount of money now but I just think For the sake of competitiveness, not only just in the Bundesliga, but in general and European-wide, especially in the top five leagues, the gap needs to be closed. Because obviously we saw all the stuff about the Super League last year, but clearly there is already a Super League. I hope I have relatively got across all I wanted to say, or I've just rambled for however long. Um, But yeah... So, obviously Liga, Lille got battered 7-1 by PSG. Obviously, this PSG team are actually quite good at football. And it's clearly showing that Maurizio Pochettino was actually the issue. Because this is the exact same team and, and group of players that he had. And here they are beating a team that won the league two years ago quite very convincingly as well
1: yeah and um, honestly this was a Galtier masterclass uh, in attacking and a massive Leo disaster class in tactics as well uh, throughout the whole game we saw literally from kickoff we see a plan we, we see a goal that's been made on the drawing board everything about it has been planned out by the manager uh, essentially from kickoff Neymar passes the ball um, to a midfielder not sure which one And then the entire Lille team runs up to press him. Uh, The ball goes back to Neymar who's done a dummy run, gets rid of his marker, comes back to get it, Uh, passes it to Messi who is free because the entire Lille team has gone to the the midfielder who first got the ball. Uh, Then Messi just boots it. For some reason the entire Lille team is like a third of the way up the pitch, even though PSG have Mbappe and then Mbappe obviously is quite a fast man. Uh, grabs the ball and just legs it a goal and scores literally eight seconds into the game obviously The players were perfect for this Messi's pass is beautiful Mbappe controlled and finished perfectly uh, Neymar did a nice dummy run and and did a, two short passes but uh, but uh, like it, it was a goal made by Galtier like 100% um, and throughout the whole game you, you see these patterns that uh, they didn't have under Pochettino these like mechanisms, these automatisms that they, that they didn't have before and it's just been a few months uh, that they've been training with their new manager and I think this is making PSG extremely scary because Galtier won a league um, with worse players and now he has probably techn- some of the technically best players in the world and his disposition to make his tactics work um, and he's a very smart man as as you, as you we'll, we'll end up seeing in the in the coming months I think. Um, yeah,
0: it, it just means this is kind of scary hours um, when it comes to PSG in the Champions League
1: it very, do, it very much does mean scary hours um, as we said before maybe inexperience in European competitions um, could betray Gaultier but uh, it won't be long um, give him a few seasons until he gets used to it and, and then PSG will have a very real chance at actually finally winning the Champions League but um but for now I think that he's not quite ready for that. But um but it 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 is scary hours indeed. It very much is scary hours. Um the defending still needs uh still has some things that need to be ironed out. Um Donnarumma in goal saved a lot of uh goals which, which would have come from, from lapses uh in the in defensive quality. Eventually one did come. But it was an irrelevant goal obviously considering that leo were already down by like five goals at that point but um but yeah PSG PSG are looking very scary
0: uh lons are second at the moment they beat monaco 4-1 um so lons are clearly wanting to carry on where they left off last time Whereas nice oh, struggling. uh struggling they lost to Clement foot this weekend and before that did you Oh, they lost 1-0 to to lose so it's not really looking that good for lucian father as he made his second return to nice so that is it for today um, thank you for listening please like us follow us subscribe and whatever yeah we'll be back later on in the week
1: uh, thank you very much and we will see you later